0: Well, hello. My name is Charlie Hill. I'm the executive pastor here at Steamboat Christian Center, and I've been doing that for about two and a half years. And uh, uh, man, I, uh, y- you know, I'm in the back office. I'm kind of off somewhere uh, trying to help make it so that everybody else can do what they got to do. And every once in a while, I I pop my head up and uh, about twice a year and that's today. Um, So, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I love being in Steamboat. Uh, It's my hometown. I graduated from high school here. I'm really proud of that. One, that I graduated from high school. And two, that, uh, you know, for the last uh, long time, 40 years, I've been able to say I graduated from Steamboat High School. And so, uh, uh, and I just got a text from my oldest daughter, Morgan, uh, who lives over in Carbondale, or actually lives in Glenwood. Oh, dad, don't forget, Today's really important. Uh, it's your anniversary, and uh, no, good note. I won't forget that. Uh, thank you for that. Fortunately, Gwen was at the service before this one. Right now, and we've been married 39 years, and uh, whew, that's a long time. Um, I don't know how she did it. Uh, But we've moved around in different places, lived in Carbondale, or worked in Carbondale at a really cool church there um, where I was lead pastor. And uh, my oldest daughter, Morgan, who I just mentioned, still goes to that church ever since she was a little kid. And now she's 32, and she's the environmental health director for Eagle County. And on the weekend, goes to uh, the orchard and serves there. And um, my son, Henry, um, my youngest son, 25, he is... uh, Worship pastor and media pastor there at that church, and lifelong friend of mine. Not, he will be a lifelong friend now. Uh, is the pastor of that church, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, middle daughter Mackenzie is right here in Steamboat, so we're super excited about that. And uh, uh, we—I was thrilled though to be able to come back to Steamboat. I love to mountain bike, Uh, I like to ski. Uh, We're close to our family cabin, which is up at Steamboat Lake. Uh, My dad and I built that together uh, 40 years ago, and now my um, sister and my brother and I own that together, and now I'm close and I go there all the time, and I just love that. Uh, And so I I love Steamboat, but one of the things I love is coming to this church, actually. Um, I have been going up to my cabin and stopping by here for a number of years and became friends with Pastor Troy and followed SEC and all that's going on here, and all the potential that's here, and. Uh I decided it'd be, it'd be fun to get in on that. Now, I was lead pastor over there for a bunch of years, and I've, I've, I've done tons of sermons uh, over the years doing that. And um, one of the things I like to do in my free time, late at night, I like to study philosophy and uh, uh, theology and dig deep into the nuances of the Bible. When you're preaching for years, you're mostly doing it on uh, communicating, trying to you study the word of how you're going to communicate it to everyone. And so I've actually enjoyed having my own thing going right now. Uh, And uh, I love digging in and finding the nuances of of what the... The Bible saying, you know, like one of my favorite, favorite preachers says, the thing underneath the thing. It's like there's treasure in here. Things not hidden, hidden from me, but hidden for me, I feel like. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I'm not studying them necessarily for how I'm going to tell people about them, and it's just popping some of these things, and it's really fun. One question that I just think is critical uh, that I, that I want to give to you too, Uh, As I'm looking at that stuff, and I've got one that I am going to share with you today, I would ask the so what question, because I'm asking the so what about everything I read and uh, uh, everything I'm studying. So what does that have to do with what's going on with me? So what does that have to do or speak to what's happening in my life right now or life in general? So what? And I would love for you to take that question, so what, today, and, a, and use it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something in here, and I want you to, to, and you can be skeptical and go, so what does that have to do with this? Because you came in here today with some, uh, most of us, with something that's on our minds, something that keeps us up at night, or something we're thinking about. I don't know what that is. It could be um uh, why am I so angry? Or I have, I have so much stuff, how come I'm not happy? Or is this going to work out? Or will I be able to stick with the changes that I made? Uh, or am I ever going to find a relationship? Or uh, is this as good as it gets? Or will I be able to keep enough employees to keep my business open? Or will it always be this way or will I ever be given an opportunity? Or I don't know what the question is that keeps you up at night. But I hope you brought that with you. And so what will this have to do with that? And I think I've got something that will uh, probably, it it could be something that you could take into your so what questions uh, going forward for maybe even years to come for some of us. But uh, whatever that is, Think about that. Now, I'm not asking you, so what, whether you agree with me or not, I don't really care. Or uh, whether you think I did a good job or not, uh, oh, I hope you think I did a great job, but I'm old enough, I don't care anymore that much about that either. Um, What I hope you do is go, so what does that have to do with this? What is the thing underneath the thing that is underneath the thing and when you read the Bible, it says this, but what is, what is it really saying? What has it got there for me? So what? And I want, to, uh, I want to give you permission. Matter of fact, I want you to do the heavy lifting. Yes. I'm not going to put a bow on this thing at the end of this message, and you're going to go, oh, got it. Matter of fact, I hope you leave uh, going, so what? I'll have to work. Fact, Most messages that I hear or things that I read, um, it very rarely just gets tied up for me just in the moment. I got to think about it later. It's usually going to be me and God working out what was ever said uh, in the so what lands. But I don't have time. I don't think you have time to uh, sit and listen to stuff without asking that question. So What? What's the thing underneath the thing, underneath the thing? So I'm looking, uh, uh, we were talking about region uh, in the announcements. And the staff, we decided we should go through region uh, because there's been so much good life change in people and so much many stories that are coming from that. We felt like we ought to go through it so we know what you're all talking about and uh, so we, we have our own staff uh, region, and this is the fourth book, and when you go through these books, I, I've, I felt like instead of like going through it and evaluating it because uh, I'm a good evaluator of things, I should actually um, embrace the project about what I could get personally uh, from it, and, and then I'd probably even have a better idea of what it was actually all about if I, if I did that with with some um, authenticity, right? So I go through it and, um, you know, there's there's a column and there's content and then there's questions you fill out. And then on the side, there are usually some verses or a uh, quote sometimes, right? And so um, I've tried to, you know, I look at most of those verses and think about them and most of them, I've actually probably even done a message about uh, over the years. And about six weeks ago, I looked over as I was working on my homework, and there was uh, uh, several verses from Genesis chapter 3. And normally, I'd kind of do a touch and go on that. That's neat. And uh, move on. But I had a sense there's a thing underneath the thing right there, and that there's a so what uh, on that. And I ought, to, I ought to hang out here and, and uh, uh, see if there's something there. And uh, I just want to show them my book. That I actually did it. You could hold it up. I actually did some of that homework. Um, there's a thing underneath the thing. And so Genesis chapter 3, you know what Genesis chapter 3 is about, right? That is the fall of man and uh, the sin that Adam and Eve have done, and then God uh, tracking them down. And so um, uh, I want to pick up in verse 8. I'm going to read this to you. And uh, uh, maybe you can listen if you might hear a thing underneath the thing here. Or so what? But if not, we'll uh, develop it a little bit and help you with the so what a bit. Then the man, and that's Adam, and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? That was what was in the margin. There. Normally I do a touch and go on that supporting material. Oh, but why did God say that? Why is that the first thing after man of sin that God says? Why does he even ask questions? And what are those questions? Is there a reason for the order of those questions? And if so, what are the implications of that? So what? Well, I think there's some gold right there. And, uh, but I don't think you can understand the gold right there unless you understand the first two chapters of how we got to right here. You know, the first two chapters of how the, is the creation narrative, right? Starts off where God created the heaven and the earth, singular. And then a few verses later, in the next chapter, talks he created the heavens and the earth. That's interesting in itself because uh, uh, singular heaven and then later the heavens, which is obviously the cosmos he created. Uh, What what are the implications of that? By the way, as you're reading Genesis, I think it's important to read it as it it was intended to be understood, not from a modern mindset of rationalism and the scientific method and and proper historicity. And I was a history major even. What am I talking about? Well, you know, you can dig in here and uh, work on the human genome, and whether this is a short earth or a long earth or how dinosaurs got on or the canopy theory or uh, what kind of geology is represented here in the flood or not. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions. Of why are dinosaurs, where did they come from? Uh, and and I, got, I took classes on that because as modern uh, society has deconstructed uh, uh, Genesis, I needed to know how to reconstruct it so that your faith didn't all fall into pieces, or mine for that matter. Uh, but if you do that, you are going to miss the whole reason that was written because you should read Genesis as it's intended as actually uh, like ancient poem or um, mythology. Now, true myth, true myth, myth can be true, but that's how you should understand. Because if you do, you'll be working on the really important questions that rational scientific method people uh, can never answer, like, the meaning of life, who I am, what is man? Not the chemistry makeup of him and it's worth $8.30 or whatever, but, but what is really in there? What is love? You can't answer any of the real questions that actually really matter through most of the way we think these days. So if you read Genesis looking for those things, you're gonna see some stuff that could be life-changing, and I believe it is, so it starts off, let's do it, start, he created the heaven and the earth, and then that, that was in Hebrew, that's singular, and your English Bible is plural, and, uh, but, but it should be singular, what does that imply, that he created the spiritual realm that he dwells in, and the physical realm, and they were together, and they were integrated, So think about that for a second. What does that mean? Come on, hang with me for a second. got to do a little lifting. What does that mean? That means that there wasn't somewhere else that God was. Heaven and earth were together. What are the implications of that? Well, he goes on to create the next piece and the next piece. and And each time he creates the piece, he looks at it and he says, that is good. He sees that it's good. And then he gets to man, and he creates man, and he says, that's very good. And he created man in his own image so that man could relate in in an environment where those two worlds were together. The spiritual, or how about... The metaphysical, if you get, let me get philosophical, and the physical were together, and man knew how to move, and God, who is spirit, moved intertwined in that also. Says he was walking in the cool of the day. Huh. Says there was a serpent. Now, I think that when I read that, a serpent talking, huh, get a load of that. Well, that's because I'm in 2022. If I'm ground zero, year one, Maybe that seemed normal. Because maybe those two worlds are together. And man was made to interface in those two worlds. And he said, that's good. Which means good isn't like, I'm a good creator and I'm pretty creative. I really like my painting. You know, this is cool. No, it means much more than that. Everything is as it should be so that everything can work as I've intended it to work. Think about that. That's what the first two chapters were about. And so the Hebrew language has a word for that. You've heard it. Shalom. You've heard that word, right? If you watch Fiddler on the Roof, you've seen those guys with the long beards, been to Jerusalem. They're, all those guys are always talking shalom, Hebrew word. And we know that it means what? Peace. It means way more than Peace. In the Hebrew, it means way more than peace. Shalom means everything is complete and as it should be, and in particular, connected. Because what has really been created in those first two chapters is an environment where everything is connected correctly in relationship to one another. Now, it wasn't like this, God, and going this way. It was we were related to God because that's the way he put it, and we were related to one another, and we were related to the creation, and everything was sustainable for human thriving. It was a situation that is shalom peace. So that's what the first two chapters are about, human thriving in an environment interfacing with God in relationship. That's pretty cool. Actually, if you jump to the end of the book, the last two chapters are about that too. In the beginning of the book, you got two chapters that are you, we encounter God in the garden that he's created. And the last two are uh, a new heaven and a new earth where in a city where shalom and everything is as it's supposed to be. That's the first two and the last two. All the rest is basically taking care of the problem. If you didn't have the problem, you'd have a pamphlet instead of a big old book like this. Because four chapters is all you need. But what we just read confronts the problem, right? You, I don't think you can understand those three questions that I just saw in my Regen book if you don't understand the first two chapters and how heaven and earth are integrated, everything's as it should be, and we can have a relationship with one another as God intended. And then, boom, chapter 3. That's how you have to understand the difference there because that makes all the difference on how God responds with that first question. That first question, back to Genesis 3, 8, uh, then the man and his wife heard uh, the sound of the Lord and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? What are the implications of that? Where are you? Where did you go? Now, does God not know that? Do you think God's going playing hide and seek? (laughs) All right. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, here I come. He knows where he is. The significance of this question must be uh, more important than that, right? Where did you go? You were here And now you're there. Why are you out there? Why am I, you used to come running. And now I'm looking for you. Where did you go? The the central problem, the central problem is that they left. That's still the central problem. I'd I'd have started, if it was me, I'd have intuitively started at the last question first instead of this question. God's smarter than that. He starts with this question. He goes, where did you go? What are you doing out there? How did that, how did that happen? It's interesting because um, uh, the New Testament word for repentance, we all know that, that's going in a direction, turning and going the other way. You've heard that. The Hebrew for repentance is a little bit uh, more nuanced. It's returning to where you came from. That's where I get the idea of coming home. Not house, home, where relationships are like they're supposed to be. With God, that's the way it is. Where did you go? How did you get out there? Why would you do that? Now, I would have gone, what did you do? What did you do? But that would be the behavior. Where you go is a relational question. What did you do? is a behavioral question. Quite frankly, if you look at our society and most of Christianity, we're trying to deal with behavior. God uh, understands it differently and he goes, where did you go? Because uh, that is an invitation word. What did you do is more like a roadblock. I hear, when I hear, where did you go? The very first thing that God says after the fall is a relational question. If that doesn't give you insight into the heart of God, and if that doesn't give you insight into the whole bunch of this stuff that's in between those four chapters, then you need to stop and go, so what? Because that's the thing underneath the thing. That's a relational question. Where did you go? I'm looking for you. How did... Why are you out there? Which brings up the next question, which is just brilliant. Because by the way, have you ever noticed you can, you can go somewhere uh, in your heart and still be uh, physically uh, where you were? I mean, we have two brothers that Jesus talks about. One goes to the pig pen, and the other stays at home, and both are far from God. You know that story? So you can be far even if you're close, which might speak to... Um, Many of us, maybe maybe not in general, but in specific things in our lives. Whatever that so what question is, what does that have to do with this? And and matter of fact, we can be right in the middle of doing things for God, even preaching sermons, and be a long ways from home. And God, knowing the problem, knew the problem was home, not what you did. The problem is getting home from here, not what you did. That's just, so the second question is what? The second question is, who told you you were naked? Isn't that fascinating? Who told you that? I'm pretty sure God knew who told him that. i pretty sure Adam knew who told him that. Man, is that an important question. What voice were you listening to? And what did they tell you? that you would take off and set out on your own. This particular voice was uh, the enemy of your soul, the deceiver, the liar, who lied to you and said, God's holding out on you. You know what, God kept something from you and you you would really like to know the difference between the knowledge of good and evil and you can carry that. God was, man, Oh, really? I can carry that? Yeah. I don't know. You see, you listen and you think to that dialogue and you think, those people are so stupid. You know? Really? God, I already mentioned this in a sermon a couple years ago. I mean, Eve should have said, wait a minute, hold that. I'm going to go talk to God about that and see what he says. But he didn't. He stayed in the dialogue um, and did what? Processed it until... They left, and then they ate. That's interesting to me. Uh, Julie uh, sent me an interesting uh, uh, quote from a book she was reading, and uh, it was from a a psychologist, and it said, the first 90 seconds that uh, when you encounter any circumstance or when somebody tells you something is a chemical reaction. And then after 90 seconds... It's a narrative that you're telling yourself as it relates to the chemical reaction that you just went through. Now that is really interesting, because, uh, and and that seems true, you get a pass for the first 90 seconds. That's chemicals, okay. Now what are you gonna do? What's the story that you're gonna tell yourself? Nobody leaves home all the way ends up out there without working the narrative, without having heard a lie Process that lie, and I don't know a single person who ever said, "You know, I'm looking for lies, is because I'm trying to follow lies." That's the nature of a lie. A lie is intended to deceive. That was that was what was intended here. Now, it's not always the enemy talking to you. The New Testament says it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's three different parts. There's the world, it's the world system. And in the world system, you can't pin any anybody down, but there's messages and voices coming to you from the world system, from everywhere. What you're supposed to look like, how much you're supposed to weigh, how much you're not supposed to weigh, how much money you're supposed to have. This is what success looks like. This is what, you need more power. I don't know what the message is coming to you, but there's constant barrage, more now than in any time in history, by the way. <laughs> fire hose on you of the world speaking stuff to you about you or things that you ought to do and all you have to do I'll give you a pass for 90 seconds and after that you're telling your own story follow that a little bit and you're going to find that you're pretty far from home where are you where did you go and what lie who told you that I don't think the enemy has to do a lot of talking to you, actually, because there's so much coming from the world and so much from our flesh that says, I need this, I want that, and this is what's best for me, that uh, uh, if you hear anything from the enemy, that's probably pretty unusual. Now, I know some of you think he's around every corner talking to you, every thought you have is from him. Maybe so. I don't know. But I can tell you, he doesn't need that because it's all set up against you already. There's enough stuff coming at you that if you're listening to the wrong voice and you're not paying attention, You might find that you're already a little ways from home on whatever it is. Isn't God brilliant? The very first things he says, where'd you go? Where are you? Who who are you listening to? Where did that voice come from? Well, that's so much better. I mean, uh, the third question is obvious. Did you do what I told you not to do? What did you do? I mean, that's obvious. I don't even think we hardly really need to spend any time on what did you do because we have a hard time not spending on time on what did you do because we're spending all our time feeling the shame and guilt and everything or trying to avoid it and deny it or whatever, what did you do? But that's not your path back. That might be a process. I mean, we know that from 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But there's more to it than that. What what am I talking about? Okay, take the first two chapters of how things are intended, which is why I believe God asked these questions. Where did you go? Who told you that? And what did you do? And plug them into how he intended things to be. And you can see a significant insight. You know, actually, uh, uh, I think most of Christianity and certainly recently has messed this up because we've looked at the problem, and uh, we've been short on the solution. we got a three-part gospel. Gospel is good news, and I think the good news is better than this. The good news that we've been talking about is uh, creation, the fall, and redemption. And is that true? Yes, that's true. If we had a problem, and if your problem is sin, which was what we're talking about here, Jesus came and died for your sin. And now, if you only have three parts, when you die, it's going to be good for you because you're now not going to the big red one. You're going to go to heaven, which is good news. But the good news is better than that. It's a four-part thing. How do I know that? Because I just told you about the first two chapters. It should be creation, how things were and ought to be, the fall, how things are right now, Redemption, and then restoration. Why? Back to Shalom. Back to Shalom. What is God working for? What is the very first thing that he talked about to man after he sinned? How did he talk to him? Where are you? I don't know. uh, What kind of voice do you hear when you hear that? Do you hear a God that's going, where are you? We were good, and now we're bad, and my wrath is on you. That's how it's been communicated. Like, we're, in the, we're sinners in the hands of the angry God, and we're just teetering above the fire. Oh, and don't fall in. Oh, my gosh. Woo, you were saved just in the nick of time. I'm so glad about that. The good news is better than that. The good news is that God is working to restore it like it was. You're part of something that's much better than that short story. You're a part of something that if you find your way home, God wants to do and restore until eventually the whole thing is restored. That's what the last of the book says. Now this is fascinating what, 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 am I, what are you talking about, Charlie? Okay, along comes Jesus. What does Jesus say? You know what Jesus talked about most of the time? He talked about the kingdom of heaven. He talked about the kingdom of heaven. When he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, how did he envision it? Well, we know. You should pray this. Our Father who is in heaven... Holy is your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Uh, There's this connection. And if we have shalom, I'm going to restore or reunite those two things together because you were made in the image. And I'm going to restore that to relate to one another. Not in the sweet by and by, not someplace else. I'm bringing it here. That's what he talked about. Does that freak you out? That the kingdom of heaven, which is actually a spiritual realm, is supposed to be interfacing right now with the physical realm, and when it does, everything could be different? I know you're just working on your so what question. I hope this works out or whatever. But this is what God intends. Jesus turns and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What did he have in mind when he said that? Would he have had the Father's words in mind when he said that? If you look at the context of everything he talks about in general, you'd go, it looks like it. I am the way. I am the way. You're out over here, and I am the way back home. You believed a lie, which why you went out there, but I am the truth. Isn't, aren't you glad the truth isn't some premise that you're supposed to believe? It's actually a person that you relate to. And I am the truth. Let's go on home. You did this which brought death, but I am the life. Wow, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father. Woo, that sounds like it was. That's what he's trying to do. I think that is a thing underneath the thing that may change everything. So what? Whatever, whatever your so what question is, what does that have to do with this? I think if you'll do the work, you'll find that it has everything to do with it. Because whatever was on, is on that so what question of yours there's a temptation. I just described uh, uh, in detail what temptation is, didn't I? Didn't I just describe on how, how temptation works? I didn't need to use that word, but that's what I described. There's a temptation to leave home because of whatever that issue is. I was confronted with that this week. It always happens this way. I got to preach make sure I don't do this very often because I can't handle the stories. So Wednesday, I... Uh, you, anybody on the roads Wednesday? Snow everywhere. Everybody's moving slow. Super slick. Six o'clock. Uh, I'm on uh, Rolling Stone Drive, right? And I'm using that cutoff to get over to Pine Grove Road because uh, I'm going to circle back around and go to Safeway. And so I pull up to the stop sign. Everybody's moving slow, super slow. And there's a good gap. And so I pull out and I'm going, I'm starting to get up to where they're going, but super slow, 20 maybe. Two car lengths in front of the car ahead of me, and, uh, or more, I don't know. And uh, that car stops. It's not at the intersection. I don't know why it stops, but that car stops. Oh, uh, I wasn't texting or anything like that. I was paying attention. Stopped. So I'm, I'm starting to work it to get my, my truck stopped, and we're sliding, but it's sliding so slow. We're going 20, 15. I think it's starting to get like one at a time. Nine, eight, seven. Oh, come on. Pull up, lady. Pull up. Pull up. Come on. Come on. And I bump into the bet. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, uh, I, if, if I'm going three by the time we hit, uh, it, it doesn't even register on the car. And uh, uh, all right. So. I'm taking off my seatbelt, to put it in, in gear, in park, and I'm getting out of the car, and before I'm out, this lady's out of her car. She's on the phone, Frank Azar. <laughs> Frank, and uh, uh, before we meet in between uh, the cars, and I look, and I look at her car, and uh, uh, it's clear her receiver hitch had, it was sticking out, which is nice for her, and uh, uh, but nothing happened to her car. And I go, it doesn't look like there's any damage. And she goes, there's damage to me. My neck. My, I, can't, I can't move my neck. I go, really? Let me talk to Frank. Uh, no. Um, she's on the phone. And he goes, no, uh, my head. My head hurts. It does? Uh, is it, what can I do for you? I can't stand. And, I, and she falls. I grab her and I lower her to the road. And and she goes, you take the phone. Okay. Now I've got her phone, and I'm not talking to Frank. I'm talking to the police. I'm talking to the dispatcher. Yeah, we're at Pine Grove Road uh, right across from the doctor's office. Uh, Yeah, what's her name? We're in the middle of the road. Is she okay? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. What's your name? And uh, she tells me. I'm not going to tell you. And uh, uh, how old is she? And I'm, t- I'm giving the instructions right now. And um, are you safe? I don't know. Um, and so I, you know, I go to my truck. I get out a blanket because we're laying in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of the road. And uh, can I help you? Uh, and uh, this is happening. And I'm like, uh, half of it, I'm going, what? The other half going, I don't know what's going on. And then the police come, and uh, they, by the way, drove up much faster than I was driving when I hit that car. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. So uh, they pull up, right? And what's going on? Well, I tell them kind of the story. This is actually her phone, and I'm talking to you guys. Well, let me have that. And I hand the phone off. And so then uh, they start helping her. The ambulance comes, the ambulance, and she goes, I can't, don't move me, don't move me. And uh, uh, they get out a backboard thing, and then they get out all these inflated things for immobilization, and uh, and they put her in uh, the uh, the ambulance uh, with great care because apparently she's in incredible pain. And the officer's saying, "What happened?" I told him this is what happened, um, and uh, and he goes, "Yeah, I get it." And uh, he takes a few pictures, and then we drive over. Uh, that the ambulance goes off, and we drive over in a Safeway parking lot, and. Here, sign this. What? Here's your careless driving ticket. Now, I'm an Enneagram 8. That doesn't do well with careless driving, and it's not careless driving. I said, what? I just, I mean, you don't have to really believe what happened, but you can look. You can look, right? Really? You're giving me a careless? Well, sir, you caused an accident, and the person went to the hospital. Therefore, you get a careless driving ticket. And I, and I turned and I said, so it looks like you don't have a lot of um, decision making or discretion around this, right? Nope, that's how it is. Okay, we'll see you again. And, uh, uh, and that was that. Who knows what comes of that. I'm driving home. Well, I went and got my groceries. And then I drove home. And I'm, when that happens to you, uh, I'm way past 90 seconds. <laughs> when that happens to you, you're, uh, you're, what are you doing? Well, I, I can lawyer up as good as anybody in my mind. And uh, I've, I've got the, I, here's exactly what happened. exactly what I did. And I don't know what was happening there. And, you know, I'm thinking through all this and uh, it occurs to me, I cannot think about this right now. I cannot think about this right now. I have got to park this over here because i got something more important I'm working on and I don't want it to get in the way of what I'm working on. And that's when it occurs to me, I wonder who did this. No, you don't get to park that. When you park that, you are actually moving away. And I'm like, what? I'm actually, if, if, when I park that I thought, I'm gonna come back there and build the case later. Well, of course you got to build a case. That's what you do in things like you build a case about what happened and how we're going to respond and how it's going to work. Don't get to do that. Well, I do if I want to leave home. If I want to leave home, follow that trail a little further. Follow that trail a little further, and very soon I'm going to find I'm away from home. I'm away from God on it, and I'm separated. Now I'm going to do something that's really spiritual and tell you about these nuggets that are in Genesis chapter 3, and after we're done, I'm going to go back and form the case. Because, and deal with that later, can't do that. Man, I go, Lord, what was the lie I was believing? Because I'm not going to go out there. What's the lie that was being told or that I was telling myself or that somebody was telling me or the situation was telling me? The lie is that I actually knew what was going on there. The lie is that um, somebody's trying to take something from me and I have to protect it. The lie is is that I'm the victim there and I gotta make sure that nobody victimizes me. The lie is the system is blah, 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 blah. You can keep going on the lie because once you start weaving it, you find you're out there. Oh, I'm not gonna believe that lie. What is the truth? The truth is I got you. The truth is You're my son. Yeah, you might want to do that differently next time and not even be on Pine Grove Road or something like that, but that's not even the point. Whatever happens, I got you. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't actually know what's going on, but I do, and I got it. Therefore, if I stay home, instead of just having peace about a situation that's not peaceful, the opposite will happen god could bring his kingdom in the middle of a situation that's completely opposite shalom could break out where you wouldn't normally expect it and then by faith i can go put me in the middle of shalom i started to think about that i don't know what your what i don't know what your so what question is but i'm i'm guessing it's way harder than that little fender bender i bet it's way more significant than that little fender bender I don't know what it is. But God wants to bring shalom in it and bring the kingdom through it. And you could believe that that could happen. And that is crazy good news. Where things become as they should be, even in the midst of everything looking like it's not. I realized that from that circumstantial situation and started to look at some other things that I may have left home on. And you know what? If you ask God, He's still asking the question, Where'd you go? He's still asking that question. Where are you? I know right where you are, but I want you to tell me. What were you believing? Then what did you do? Because I want to restore you. Ah, that's such good news. That's such good news. So what? Where are you? So what? Who told you that? So what? What'd you do? So what? The thing underneath the thing? So what? So what? So what? So what? Shalom.